Can you believe it? We made it to Sunday. Each and every day this week, we've been looking at the most important week of the most important person who ever lived, and our focal source has been The Final Days of Jesus, written by Andreas Kostenberger and Justin Taylor. You know, with all the intense agony, brutality, and horror that this week brought us, we have to remember that joy comes in the morning, and there's no greater joy than Easter Sunday morning, the day when word will start to spread that he is risen. You know, this day is more about what the disciples are experiencing in some respects than it is about what Jesus is going through. His work is finished and fulfilled, and now that he has fully paid for sin, he will prove that he has conquered death, hell, and the grave when he rises again and makes various appearances to some of his close friends and followers. Just imagine for a second if our four evangelists that wrote the first four books of the New Testament had stopped short. What if Matthew's writing stopped at chapter 27 and Mark at chapter 15? What if Luke had concluded at chapter 23 or John at chapter 19? What a vastly different account there would be that we would have. Thank God they didn't. They gave us the full picture and the whole complete story. And I'm sure nothing was quite like that first Easter morning. By this point, there's been more than 24 hours of a void, of silence, and of no Jesus. A lot of what these followers of his thought would happen has been shattered by his death. Even the proper Jewish burial ceremony was put on hold due to the Passover and the Sabbath. Wanting to honor Jesus' body properly, a small band of ladies head to the tomb early that morning before daybreak, perhaps somewhere around 6 a.m., to complete the ceremonial process of burial and ancient Jewish embalming. As they are making their way there, they're discussing how they will enter and who will remove the stone for them from the opening of the tomb. The opening to Jesus' burial tomb was covered by a boulder estimated to weigh two and a half tons. But once they got there, they noticed that the stone is rolled back And the tomb is empty. They're certainly in complete shock at this point, thinking that someone has taken Jesus' body. You see, from their perspective, much like ours, death is final and it's irreversible. And certainly no one could have reversed or overcome what Jesus went through. Yes, he told them that he would rise again, but in their human mind, that seemed impossible at this point. Mary Magdalene most likely leaves immediately from that scene to tell the 11 disciples what's happened. But the other women go in and find two men dressed in white cloth and they're glowing. Angels are always the messengers of God and they say to them, he is not here, Jesus is risen, just like he said he would. Tell his followers to go to Galilee and wait for him there. One writer even adds this question that the angels, the two men, would have asked, why seek the living among the dead? Meanwhile, Mary Magdalene makes it back to find Peter and John, and she tells them what has happened. Immediately, they take off and run toward the tomb. John beats Peter and goes inside to see the empty tomb. Here's where we get the details of the burial cloth. Scripture says it was lying there flat, with the face covering folded and off to one side. This doesn't sound like a quick getaway from thieving disciples at all. In a rush, no one would have thought 
to take that kind of care and fold up the face cloth. Right about now, we get the first appearance of Jesus, and it's to Mary Magdalene. Distraught and weeping, not sure what has taken place, she's outside in the garden area of the tomb, and she hears a voice asking her, Who are you looking for? She mistakes this voice to be the gardener and says, Just tell us what happened. Where have you placed him? And when Jesus says her name, Mary, she realizes who he is, and in joy she cries out, Rabboni, which means teacher in Aramaic. And she went and told the disciples, I have seen the Lord. No longer an empty tomb with questions, rather a testimony from an eyewitness to the risen Savior. There will be two more personal encounters of Jesus before nightfall on this first resurrection day. One is where Jesus meets two travelers that are described as his disciples, not of the close twelve, however. This is Cleopas and another traveling companion traveling with him to the town of Emmaus, and they are discussing the day's events that have taken place up until this point. Jesus appears with them and asks what they are talking about, and they tell him. Surprised that they don't know the truth yet, Jesus asks them, Don't you remember the scriptures? And he begins to explain everything to them about himself. But it isn't until he stops to eat with them and breaks bread and blesses it that they realize who is with them. Then Jesus vanishes. Later on that night, he appears to ten of the disciples in a locked room where they are hiding, no doubt for fear of the chief priests, the religious leaders, and the Romans. As Jesus enters this room, he says, Peace be with you to help their fear. He further encourages them to examine his hands and his feet. But to really convince them that they haven't seen a ghost, Jesus asks them for food. He eats a piece of fish with them so that they would know that he is alive. By the close of that first Easter Sunday, Jesus has already been confirmed to be alive by at least 13 people. And this is only the beginning. Many more will follow and will be firsthand eyewitnesses to Jesus as well, starting with Thomas and continuing on from there. I know at Christmas we say a baby changes everything, but the resurrection of Jesus is a game changer. I want to leave you with the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You have received it, and you've taken your stand on it. You are also saved by it. If you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believed to no purpose. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, or to Peter, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time, most of whom remain alive to the present day. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as to one abnormally born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by God's grace, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not ineffective. However, I worked more than any of them, yet not I, 
but God's grace was with me. Therefore, whatever it is, I or they, so we preach, and so you have believed. And so by the time we conclude this week, a week that is filled with a lot of events of Jesus' teaching, being challenged by the religious leaders, and ultimately dying in our place, we realize three days later he rose from the dead, and this makes all the difference for you, for me, and for anyone who would believe. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed.